Hey, have you walked with the Lord for any uh, period of time? You know, you've been in, been in his word and, and uh, cultivated a relationship with him. You may have uh, maybe a favorite name of God, name of Jesus, that, that like is a favorite for you. You know, there's a whole bunch that are found both prophetically in the Old Testament and then in the New Testament. You know, that Jesus is the author of life. I love that. Jesus, one of my favorite, Jesus is Emmanuel, which means God with us, right? And you can just keep going. You know, he is, he's, of course, our Savior. He's our Lord. He's the King of kings. You know, like, you know he is, he's just the best, right? And, and, and so there's all these different names of Jesus, ways that uh, Scripture uses to describe our Lord. But Matthew, I think, has one of the most unique ways that he described Jesus. Now, Matthew was one of uh, the four guys who actually wrote one of the Gospels, like these uh, descriptions of the life and times of Jesus. And so in Matthew, uh, Matthew says in chapter 12 that Jesus is actually the fulfillment of a prophecy of a man named Isaiah. And so um, Isaiah, the prophet, has this description. And so in Matthew chapter 12, uh, Matthew quotes Isaiah saying this, verses 18 through 20, uh, 21. He says, look at my servant whom I have chosen. He is my beloved who pleases me. I will put my spirit upon him and he will proclaim justice to the nations. He will not fight or shout or raise his voice in public. A bruised reed he does not break. A flickering flame he does not put out. Finally, he will cause justice to be victorious and his name will be the hope of all the world. Isn't that awesome? Now, Jesus' name, I mean, it's, it's so evident that, that Isaiah, many years before the birth of Christ, was describing the person of Jesus and that his name is going to be the hope of all the world. I love that. And, and there's something, though, that's captured within this statement that really has been like echoing through my heart over the past many weeks and is kind of the impetus for this new series that we're beginning today. And it's found in the words of verse 20, where Matthew quotes Isaiah saying about Jesus, a bruised reed he does not break, a flickering flame he does not put out. I really love those words because Isaiah is kind of using this creative metaphor. And, and it's kind of interesting because, you know, usually we hear the things that Jesus does. But here, the way Isaiah framed these words, he kind of stated it in the negative. You know, he says what Jesus doesn't do, right? He, what Jesus doesn't do is he doesn't take things that are, you know, kind of breaking and weak, maybe something that's been damaged, 
and saying, oh, you know what, you're, you're just too far gone. So off with you, right? He doesn't break that, that bruised reed and that flickering flame he doesn't put out. And so I think that we are allowed in scripture a lot of times to put a verse kind of in reverse, right? Like reverse engineer it. And in this, in this particular scripture, what we can do is we can actually take what was stated negatively and say, what would that kind of sound like if, if we were to put it in a positive frame? And I believe that what we, what we would discover if we were to do that is that Jesus always mends what is broken. And you know what else he does? He rekindles what has grown weak and is dying. This is a word, church, that we need to desperately hear. We need to experience the mending touch of our Savior on every part of our lives that has experienced damage and, and trauma. We need to experience the breath of new life that he will provide as he would just breathe on us and rekindle what has nearly died off. Listen, when I was a kid, uh, I would do some science experiments uh, with fire. Uh, maybe I was just a little bit of a pyro, uh, but I really remember, you know, when you'd kind of take a candle and then you'd put like a glass jar over it and watch what happens. You know, it's kind of amazing how quickly that flame will die out. In fact, if you don't believe me, I recreated this last night just for you. So check out my little video, and uh, here we go. Roll the candle video. There it is. Here comes the glass over it. Now watch how fast that flame will just kind of take up the oxygen in there, and here it goes, boom. But what I would do is I would like see how long I could wait, like before I, that, that flame is all the way out, and then boom, I would take it off, and I would watch that oxygen flood in and rekindle that which had almost died off. And I think that, that is a picture for where a lot of us have been, Right? A lot of us have been in that place of like, the flame is dying, the flame is going out. We've kind of burned up all this oxygen because you know what? This pandemic that we've been all experiencing together, I think in many ways, it's like that glass container being put right over our lives. It's like, it's like oh, everything that we used to be familiar with that would like flood in and keep that flame burning, right? The oxygen that we need, whether it's relationally or just health-wise or financial, whatever. Like the pandemic is like put this big glass jar over the flame of our life and has caused, I think for so many of us, for that flame to really grow dim. It has been challenging just to keep our candle with any little flicker of flame in it whatsoever. I think for me, there's been days when it's been hard 
just to breathe. And I haven't even had COVID. I mean, imagine the hardship, you know, brought on our brothers or sisters, our friends, our neighbors that have actually experienced the ravages of that disease in their body. Now, in the recent series that we just concluded, you may remember that in uh, that first message, we talked about the importance of interrogating our expectations. It's like we really need to drill down into what is it that I expect about my life, about how others are going to treat me, even our expectations about God. I really truly believe that, that we can't really be emotionally healthy if we do not understand our expectations. And you can go back and, and listen to the message a few weeks ago when we, when we really kind of drilled down in that conversation. But I know for me that during this season of the pandemic, then my expectations have been wonky. I mean, they've been just kind of like all over the place. And there have been many times when I have found that my expectations about life, can I use this word, have really sucked. I mean, they've been just like scraping the bottom of the barrel. Like really, you know, like when I say suck, I'm thinking of like those bottom feeding fish that like suck up the mud and the junk. Like, I mean, just bad. These yucky expectations. Like, man, this day is really going to be bad. And you know what? My expectation is tomorrow is probably going to be worse. Like, can I confess that to you? Is this a safe environment to tell you how I felt on many, many days? And I realize that all of like the, the conditions that we've experienced over this past year have really shaped so much of my expectations. And probably like many of you, I mean, we've gone through a lot. I mean, there has been this silent, invisible killer on the loose, like globally and locally, that has impacted just so many people. You know, and then there's that, like, that threat of always having to be on guard because, you know, you could be next. Like, okay, so we're masking up and we're washing our hands and we're, we're staying, you know, you know, distant, you know, from one another to, just to try to create that safe space. But the, it's because there's this constant threat, right, that is always there. And then there's like the heartache that we experience and the grieving, you know, every time that, that one of our friends or a neighbor or somebody that we know, we hear about, oh my gosh, somebody else has got COVID, somebody else is in the hospital, someone else has died. It's been a lot. You know, and then of course, to top all that off, you know, we have... We've grieved as we've had to acknowledge the reality over this past year of people who have gone through just epic prejudice. And my heart has been broken, especially for my brothers and sisters who are black, who are Asian, who are Latino, who have gone through just so much in this past year, just different ways they've been impacted, but we've had to acknowledge and, and try to find ways to empathize with those who have suffered, not just recently, but historically. It's been tough. And then on top of that, I mean, throw in this year that has just been political chaos, this storm, right? 
this perfect storm kind of created by people who have been increasingly at war with one another, just lobbing grenades and missiles, right, from left to right, right to left. It's been a tough year. And I know that you would say, and you don't even know my story, right? Because each of us also carries our own personal things, our relational issues, our financial status, all those things, right, within our own unique stories. This has been a really challenging year. And it truly feels like this pandemic has been this like big glass jar that has been just dropped on top of us. And I realize that through this and through the shaping of my expectations, I've really held on to some rather negative ones. Rather than expecting Jesus to mend and to rekindle and to show up with this miraculous breakthrough power, I think I just really began to have these expectations that things are really dim and that my flame may be dying. We're going to look at a story from the Old Testament in just a moment. It's this miraculous rekindling story. This going to, I believe, kind of set us up for some conversations over the next weeks about God breathing new life in, kind of flooding our souls with the oxygen of his spirit that would begin to rekindle things that need to be like just bursting back into full raging fire again. But before we go there, I just want to pray for myself. I want to pray for us. Would you join me? Jesus, we are so grateful that, Lord, we see in your word that you are the one who mends those things that are damaged, those things that have been traumatized, those things that have been really hurt and are now weak. You mend those things. And Lord, that you are the one who rekindles life even where the flame has begun to flicker and nearly die out. So Lord, I pray for myself. Lord, and I pray for my friends, both here in person and all those who are, who are watching this today or, or even in the days to come. The Lord, right now that you would meet us. You'd meet us right here. You'd meet us in these moments. And Lord, we invite you to breathe new life. Lord, that you would rekindle something in our spirits. Because you are the God who mends and rekindles. So we trust in you. Open our hearts and minds right now, Lord, as we turn to your word. Amen. Thank you. So if you go back in scripture, back in 1 Kings, you get to chapter 17 and you encounter this incredible man of God, this prophet that God raised up. His name was Elijah. Now, Elijah also had a, an assistant, the kind of we, we get to in 2 Kings. Uh, his name was Elisha. These two men, man, when you read their stories, talk about the miraculous breakthrough work of God just showing up over and over and over again in their stories. But it's in 1 Kings chapter 17 where we first encounter Elijah. And we find him, I mean, this kind of like drops him right into the story. Like we don't know his background. We don't know where he came from, where, you know, like kind of like, you know, how he grew up, all these sort of things. But what we find is that God speaks to him and he says, go to the king. 
that evil king Ahab, who's over Israel. And there, there, there's just been so much evil in the land. And people of Israel not following after God any longer that basically uh, Elijah says, you're going to go and you're going to declare to him something that's really hard and challenging. You're going to tell him that for the next years, there is going to be no rain. Are you reading the scripture behind me? I'm not even at the scripture yet. Man, they are so on top of it that they thought that that's where I was going. I'm, I'm leading up to that. There we go. I'm back. Okay. Setting it up, setting it up. So, I mean, you guys are like, I see your eyes up there. You're like reading the scripture. I'm not even there yet. I got to tell you how we get there. So, so he goes to Elijah, he tells, or goes to Ahab, tells him there's going to be no rain. Which you, listen, you can imagine that in an agricultural society, no rain is a problem. I mean, talk about a glass jar just being boop, like set stuck right over this whole nation of Israel because things would really quickly like dry up both literally and figuratively, right? I mean, this is going to be a problem because there's going to be no work in the fields, which means no income or resource to the families. And then because there is no food and no, no resource, guess what? Starvation would, would quickly follow. And that's indeed the conditions that Israel was now facing. But God miraculously took care of Elijah. And, and really, like just a short time into the story, we find that God tells Elijah to go off to this foreign city where there would be a widow who would take care of him and would feed him. Now we get to the scripture a little bit into that story, it starts in verse 8 of 1 Kings chapter 17. And it says, Then the Lord said to Elijah, Go and live in the village of Zarephath near the city of Sidon. I've instructed a widow there to feed you. Pretty cool. So we went to Zarephath. As he arrived at the gates of the village, he saw a widow gathering sticks. And he asked her, would you please bring me a little water in a cup? As she was going to get it, he called to her, hey, bring me a bite of bread too. But she said, as surely as the Lord your God lives, I don't have a single piece of bread in the house. And I have only a handful of flour left in the jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug. I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal and then my son and I will die. Listen, I think this woman's experience in many ways parallels our own. Things were bad. And her expectation now that her flame and the flame of her son was about to die, was about to just completely be extinguished. But notice that she acknowledges the reality of God. You know, she says, as surely as the Lord, your God lives. Now, she didn't say my God, she said your God, but, but she still has this belief 
Now, she was not in Israel. She was not in Judah. She was in a Gentile land. That's where Zarephath was. And so here's this Gentile woman who still had this belief in God. Plus, it says that God had somehow spoken to her before Elijah had arrived. Because God told Elijah, I have, an instru- I have instructed a widow there to feed you. So here's a woman that represents many of us. Believe in God, check. Maybe you've even heard something from God in our, in our spirit, okay, check. But her life experience has now shaped her expectations. We are going to die. Now, Elijah, I think he had his own set of expectations about this scenario and how it would play out. Because God had told him, go to this particular city where there's a widow there who is going to feed you. Now, I don't know, you know, like what you think Elijah may have been anticipating, but it's like, I think, like if I was Elijah, I'd be going, God is coming through again. This is awesome. I'm going to go to this town. There's going to be this wealthy widow, right? She probably has this amazing garden, right? Right out back behind her place where she's raising all this good food. She's probably a great cook too. In fact, maybe right now he's, he's approaching, approaching the town and like he's like his mouth is starting to water. He's imagining, man, this, this little widow, this wealthy widow goes to her garden. She's probably in her kitchen right now. Man, she's cooking up some of that flaky flatbread that just melts in your mouth. Man, she's whipping up like some amazing hummus like to go in there, chopping up some... Hey, my extra garlic, please, ma'am, right? Like, he, you know, he's just like getting so excited about meeting this woman that God has promised him is going to feed him. Uh-oh. Then reality hits because he walks up to the village and he's looking at a bunch of poor people and he sees this one lady and somehow he, he recognized, maybe by her dress or some outward appearance that he recognized that, hey, this is the, this is the one. So he approaches her and he's, oh, this is not good. My expectations about how God was going to miraculously provide in this season of famine, people are being, you know, being threatened with starvation, all this. He said, this is not what I had pictured. I thought God was going to show up a different way. He had to let go of plan A, okay? Oh, we'll throw back to another part of last, last uh, series that we were in. He had to move on. He had to, to grab a hold of a new reality before just saying, oh, what am I doing here? God has let me down. But that's not what Elijah does. The, and I think that there's a possibility of, of why Elijah doesn't respond with this negativity. It's because he had already experienced God's miraculous breakthrough work in his situation. 
We didn't read it, but in those that those opening verses when he declares there's going to be like this this drought on the land, God says, "Hey, I want you to go off by this little brook, and I'm going to cause birds to come and feed you." Now this is amazing. It's like this little. Was it Doctor Doolittle? Is that the guy that could talk to the animals? You know, so it's like it's kind of like one of those moments in Scripture here, where literally it says morning and evening these ravens. I don't know where they were getting it. They were raiding some poor village, right? Swooping down, grabbing everyone's meal, right? It says meat and bread in morning and evening. These birds are like flying in. All right, Elijah, here you go. He's like, thank you. Elijah had already been experiencing the miraculous, unexplainable, but undeniable work of God in his, on his behalf. And so I think that he, he had these fresh expectations that no matter how bleak it gets, that God can find a way. Like God is not bound somehow by physical limitations God, there's more going on in this world than what we can touch and what we can see. And that because God is the ruler over all of it, God can break through in miraculous ways that would be unexpected, unanticipated. And that's why we call them miracles. Because they defy every like known natural thing. But God shows up. And we see in scripture over and over again that God is never bothered by showing up in a beautiful, miraculous way. And that is the, the reality that Elijah brought with him to this town. And so when he saw this, this lady, yeah, I said, yeah, this is not what I was expecting. But you know what? I'm gonna double down on my faith. I'm gonna double down on what God told me. I don't know how but she's going to feed me. This woman's going to feed me. So um, he tells her, of course, you know, like, uh, well, we're going to read it. She says, we're going to die. We don't, I don't got no flour. I don't got no more oil. Make one last meal. Then my son and I are going to die. So then we pick up again the next verse, verse 13 of 1 Kings 17. But Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. I think we were singing about that just moments ago. Do not walk in fear, ma'am. Do not be afraid. Go ahead and do just what you've said. But make a little bread for me first. First. Then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. Can we just pause for a moment right there? We'll come back. Do this for me first. You know, we can assume right here that Elijah is really being cruel, right? I mean, like that he is risking the lives of two precious people. Not only the widow, maybe I'd take some food from her, but I am literally taking the, the last meal from this little boy. Like, and we could assume that like he's just being cruel, but he's not. He's not being presumptuous and he did not like risk the lives of this woman 
and this boy, what he was doing was responding in remarkable faith to what God had said. Remarkable faith to what God had said. So then we go on, you know, use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son, for this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, there will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops grow again. What a great promise. One, there's going to be rain. This drought is not, this drought is not permanent. This pandemic is not permanent. The rain is coming again. But until that time, God is going to care for you, but do this first. And then the amazing thing we read is it says, so she did, as Elijah said. And she and Elijah and her family continued to eat for a long time. There was always enough flour and olive oil left in the containers just as the Lord had promised through Elijah. Woo! Rekindled. Rekind Can you imagine how this woman's joy, her hope, her faith was being rekindled every day? Because you know what? And I don't even think she made it to the container. I think there was a little boy in that house that like he knew that yesterday we ate it all. But then before mama could get to the pantry and go to that container, that little guy is just running down. I just, can you picture that? He's running down to the kitchen. He's running down and he's, mom, it's here again. There's more. There's more. There's more. Look what God has done. And the rekindling of that hope and that faith and that joy that would have been going on in that household is just amazing. Man, and just think about how this woman had taken this huge step of faith here. Like literally trusting God and obeying these really counterintuitive words. Didn't make sense in the moment. But she trusted God and she was willing to obey what she believed that God was speaking. I mean, that's, that's faith, friends. That, that literally, like, we are, we are trusting in God here. We're not trusting in ourselves. We're not trusting in our own ability to make things happen. We are trusting in God, and we are being obedient to what he tells us to do. Both things that we read in his word and then just things that like we feel that God is just speaking and dropping into our hearts that are just unique for you and for me. We're trusting and we're becoming obedient. And then God does in response what only God can do. It's only God who can take food and multiply it. Guess what? We don't just see that in the Old Testament. We see that in Jesus' ministry where it's, it's a few different times that Jesus takes that one meal and what does he do with it? He breaks it, blesses it, 
and gives it out and it feeds thousands of people. And here, many, many years before, we see kind of a prelude to what Jesus would do later by breaking this food and multiplying it in these containers. Just like this woman, I believe that you and I are at a place when we need to have something rekindled within us, a reset of our expectations. Rather than expecting the worst to happen, you know, today's gonna be rough and tomorrow, I bet it's gonna be even more challenging. That we would begin to believe that Jesus is the one who mends and rekindles. That there is no part of our story that is too damaged. That there's no part of our life where God would look at us and say, you're just too far gone. But God is the one who mends and rekindles. And that he will show up with this miracle working power to make a way when it seems there is no other way. Do you need a miracle? I want you to think about that for a moment. Do you need a miracle? I want to challenge you over these coming weeks while we're in this series to begin to contend for the miracle that you need. In each one of our stories, it's going to be a little bit different. But many of us, I think, would, would resonate with like, man, I need to see God's breakthrough power in this area of my story, in my family's story. And listen, if you don't feel that like you have like a particular like need for a miracle, well, bless the Lord, you are riding high, your flame is bright, then you know what? You can believe for someone else's miracle. Right? You, can, you, you, you know other people who absolutely need a miracle breakthrough. So you can contend for them. But I want to challenge us all to really think and say, God, what miracle is it that I am going to contend for? And begin to believe again for this thing that I thought was too far gone and was never going to rekindle or come back to life again. What is it? What's your miracle? I'm just looking around the room right now. I wish I could see you online, but I'm just looking around the room and I just know some of the intricacies of life stories. What is the miracle that God wants to do and rekindle in your life and your story? I want to invite my friend, Pastor Lisa, Lisa Broussard, to come. Because, you know, every, every Sunday at the conclusion of service, we have this opportunity for prayer right up front. Because we really believe that we don't want anyone to, like, leave this place without an encounter with God. And because everyone does come with different needs and, you know, different places of expectation— Sometimes that gets met right in worship. Sometimes that gets met through the preaching and teaching of the word. But sometimes you need someone to agree with you in prayer for that miracle breakthrough. So we always have a great team of people 
led by Pastor Lisa. And listen, one of the things that I believe stirs up and rekindles a hope for our own situation is that, you know what, we actually hear the stories of other people who have experienced miracle breakthrough and God showing up like to rekindle something in someone else's story and that gives us hope for our own story. And Lisa, I know you were just telling me this week about something that happened. Well, you tell the story. Well, as you know, we do. Our hope is and our knowing is that God is going to meet you and so we make a space. And so we were here, had the privilege to pray with somebody that's here today and said, oh, you tell the story. I'm a little nervous. So she's here as a witness that it is true, but she came up for prayer and for another matter. And that's our hope is that come on up. What is it that you need? Like Pastor Kim is saying is come bring what you need because God's going to meet you here. And so she came up for another matter. And so I was able to pray with her, but I had a sensing that God wanted me to pray for her shoulders. And I said, okay, I'm going to be obedient. And I said, I just feel like there's just a lot of stress. I was, I was, you know, sometimes we don't know what God's doing. So, so I, can I touch your shoulder? I got a call later that day and she said, the one thing I didn't say to you is that there was pain. I had tremendous pain in my shoulder and I want to report that it's gone. And we said, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So, God does miracles. And there she is right there. God is so good. I mean, God will show up even when we don't even say what the specific need is, right, or that specific need. God knows what we're going through. He knows where that flame is kind of like dwindling down. It's like, man, I prayed for this before. You know, and sometimes we can pray for so long over particular things that we don't even, like, want to pray anymore about that. I believe that during these weeks that we're going to see and experience God's rekindling, his mending, his restoring, his rebuilding. And I am so excited for that. And so, Lisa, I'm going to ask you to just come front and center right here because in just a moment, we're going to just transition to prayer. And we're going to believe for God to begin that mending, rekindling work that only he can do. Listen, only God can do what he does. But you know what we do? Just what that woman did, like respond in faith and obedience. Faith and obedience. God, I'm going to trust you one more time. God, I'm going to say yes one more time. God, this area of my life, this area in my marriage, this relationship with my child, relationship with my parent, whatever it is that's like, man, it just feels like it's never going to happen. And we just sense, man, that just that flame is, is dying out. Or maybe it's, maybe this is what's been happening in your soul, like I recognized had been happening in my own soul just through a year of dealing with all the ramifications of a pandemic that you've just kind of felt like you've been circling the drain. Whatever it is, I believe that God wants to meet us there. And that God wants to mend and to rekindle. He wants to begin to just ignite something fresh. 
So we're gonna go in just a moment to, to prayer. And I mean, invite you to come. I believe we have some other leaders here that are gonna come and join um, with Lisa and make themselves available so you guys can come now and just prepare yourselves to, to pray as well. But you know, there, I just wanna speak to one other group before we go to prayer. And that's for some that you say, rekindle, rekindle. I, I don't think that there's ever been something that's been kindled. They're like, there's never been like this fire burning in my heart for God. There's never been that flame and never has been ignited because I've always just kind of like tried to make my own fire, right? I've tried to light my own way. I've lived kind of by my own set of rules or the rules of others, but I've never turned to Jesus and said, Jesus, would you come inside? I believe in you. And God, I wanna make my heart available for you to come, to live with me, to live in me. So I give you all of my past, Lord, everything that I've done that has kind of led to today, I give all of that to you, both the good and the bad. Lord, I need forgiveness for what I've done wrong. But God, I need you to light a fire in my soul. So I put my trust in you today. And if there's anyone that is here out in the courtyard or sitting in this room or even online, if that's you today saying, God, I need to start something with you. Or maybe that fire was there once, but man, it's been out for a very, very long time. And you say, today is my day for something to be started all afresh and anew. And if that's you, I just want you to just raise your hand so I can agree with you that today is the day. That like, it starts today. Because I really feel that there's someone that you're just kind of wrestling. I don't know whether it's through embarrassment or, or you've just been having this wrestling match with God and that you just have not said yes to him. You've been trying to do it on your own. And if that's you, I just pray that you would respond in faith and in obedience to just say, God, okay, here I go. Here I go. So I'm just gonna pause for a moment and say, is that your day? Is that today for you? Jesus, I thank you, Lord, for your grace. And I thank you for your mercy. Lord, I thank you that you give us what we don't deserve over and over and over again. And Lord, for all my friends online, Lord, I pray, Lord, for them. Lord, that as they respond to you in faith, that Jesus, that you would meet them right where they are and that you would mend and rekindle whatever needs to be fixed. Because you know every story in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. We're gonna be contending over these next weeks. We're gonna be doing that individually. We're gonna be doing that in our own homes. Your love, church. Let's watch God break through.